to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, with no rules. Not real fighting. Well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body. Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice. This is episode 129, and we've got two great guests and two awesome conversations for your listening pleasure. For this episode, we're going to kick things off with former multiple-time Sanchao champion, former Strikeforce champion, UFC veteran, and one of the most talented strikers in the business of combat sports, the one and only Kung Lee. And our second guest is a multiple-time Taekwondo champion, international movie star, beloved most in his native India, but known worldwide for his roles in many action films, Sonny Singh. We've got a lot to talk about with both these guys, so let's waste no time and we'll jump right into it. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, coming up first, Kung Lee. Aloha. What's up, Penn Nation? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Big J Kinch, and this is episode 129. We've got a couple of great guests. We're going to kick things off with the Super Samoan, Mark Hunt. Keeping up with current events and the issue of fighter pay, we figured it's a great time to bring Mark back on the show and discuss where he's at with his lawsuit against the UFC and what he thinks about all the dissent from some of the biggest athletes in the business regarding fighter pay going on right now. And then our second guest for this episode, we're going to close things out with one of the most decorated lightweights in the UFC, the one and only Jim Miller. We're going to preview Jim's fight with Robertson Roosevelt coming up this weekend. We're going to break down the matchup against Roosevelt. Discuss where a big win puts Jim in regards to his career moving forward. We're going to hear Jim's opinions on the current landscape at 155. And you might be surprised to hear that Jim Miller is interested in moving up multiple weight classes. So that's the rundown for this episode, 129. We're going to kick things off with Mark Hunt, close up shop with Jim Miller. So let's waste no time, we'll jump right into it. BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, Episode 129, 
Coming up first, the Super Samoan, Mark Hunt. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show, former K-1 Grand Prix champion, pride in UFC veteran, and the king of the walk-off knockout, the one and only Super Samoan, Mark Hunt. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. It's been a while, man. How have you been doing? You know, it's bad. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, guys. I mean, pretty good, man. Just, uh, you know, I'm getting on with stuff, to be honest. Uh, you know, um, yeah, just uh, getting on with life, to be honest. Well, good. What is uh, what has life been like for you during this global pandemic? Um, well, I've been training. I've been doing a, a little bit of this and that. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, hard to be, uh, you know, um, because of all the restrictions and everything, but, um, you know, other than that, it's been like the last 20 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> not too much has changed for you then? Not really, not much at all. No, I, I know you're a very well, pro- well, well, uh, yeah, well, a few things have changed, but not in that sense anyway, still training. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, I, I know you're a proud family man. I'd imagine that, you know, having some extra time at home with the kids is also a bit of a blessing and a curse, right? Well, it has been, you know, um, me and my wife have separated uh, about a year now. So, you know, it's, it's been good to spend time with the children. Um, you know, how, to, how it goes, life is just the way it is. Of course, of course. Uh, I got to tell you, man, <clears throat> following you on social media over the years, You've posted some really, really funny videos of you and your kids. In particular, uh, Noah the Blower. I, I remember seeing that video of you guys in the car, everybody freaking out. You're making a weird face, and then he just flips off the camera. <laughs> How was that kid doing, man? He's yeah. a trip. Yeah, Noah's good. He's just his normal talk. He's just uh, <laughs> he's a proud representation of uh, Winston Sydney. But uh, yeah, Noah's doing good. Just, uh, you know, there's a kid. Of course, of course. Now, uh, you said you're on your way to training, obviously staying busy in the yeah. gym, probably doing some coaching. Uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty since you left the UFC in regards to your career. Anything you can tell us about what the future holds for you in terms of fighting? Um, just, uh, uh, just one second. I'm just going to get a fat white light. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I just, um, 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 I mean, just like I said, I was a bit of, I've got a shit about working with uh, the UFC for a while. I was uh, five years out and uh, got a bit better and foul uh, with things. Uh, ended up, uh, you know, um, I haven't worked for like two years and I've just signed a, a, to a boxing fight here at home here, so, which is good. Um, I've actually wanted to finish in my career on a happy note. So, you know, I've got six more fights I want to do. One of them is this boxing fight and then uh, another fight will hopefully end up back in Japan and and finish my career on a happy note, so, yeah. Right, so uh, a boxing match uh, down in your homeland that's sounding kind of like uh, John Wayne Parr did with Andy, Anthony Mundine. Yeah, it's similar to that, but actually, yeah, because Gallo's actually a former football player, to be honest. So, uh, and actually, we, we're actually friends, but, you know, we had, well, not friends to say, but we had lunch a few times, and, you know, it's funny for me, for him, for him and uh, another guy who lose his time to call him out in the fight, but, uh, it is what it is, you know. Uh, I think they want to uh, test the waters, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. They right, well, up, uh, well, I have no doubt that the, the power that you possess, you'll have uh, you'll have some success in the boxing ring. Obviously, the striking credentials of yours speak for themselves. Uh, but so it sounds like you're going to take the boxing match, and then maybe four more fights in Japan to, to close out the historic career. 
did this uh, while I was working for the UFC, but uh, you know, like I said, I was unhappy for a long, long time working for them. You know, after all the shit that went on with them, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, I want to finish my career uh, on a happy note. Right, right. Now, are you thinking is that going to be with uh, uh, Rising Federation One Championship? I mean, have, have I'm sure every promotion on the planet has been reaching out to you since you left the UFC, right? Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I wanted to, I think uh, everyone's a bit, uh, thank you. Everyone's a bit uh, scared touching me, especially with this lawsuit going on with this company. So, but, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, at the same time, I'm sure, again, I'm sure that, uh, you know, many promotions out there would be happy to work for work with you. Um, but you know, man, you mentioned the UFC, the lawsuit. I know that's been an ongoing battle for you. And yet again, fighter pay has come to the forefront of the conversation uh, given that, you know, you see John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, McGregor, several others. I just saw today that uh, former uh, UFC veteran Sam Stout, he he had a lot to say as well. Uh, when you see all this uh, dissent within the ranks in the UFC, uh, this goes back to your lawsuit and the way that you were treated. Uh, do, do you feel like there's finally being some progress made in, in, in regard to uh, fighters being treated fairly by the UFC? You know, I, I thought it was four percent they'll pay, but they're paying like probably eighteen or three. It's still, uh, uh, it's still a drop in the ocean for what they're making, and you know, all those excuses that they're making, especially with, with that fucking dickhead Dana talking about, oh, it's because of the COVID, because of all this bullshit. Bullshit. That's a total cock of shit. I mean, they were doing this way before even the COVID started. Um, they weren't paying what is actually fair anyway. Like I said, one of the lawsuits that would, um, we're trying to bring in the ID Act, which. Um, brings in about 40 or 50% of the revenue. These guys have been sharing with it's 18 or 20% of the revenue for the last 20, whatever, how many years it is. And of course, fighters are going to be upset. I mean, if you can't make it beat, what the fuck are point of being a, a top-end fight fighter? And it's not just... It, it's, I've been arguing with these guys for a long, long time, and even when I was working with these fools. And, um, you know, they just renege on all the deals. They never honor their contracts, never. They force you to fight. They've done so much rubbish to me. I just, I just got sick of it. And, uh, and it's not uh, it's no surprise to me to see all these other fighters complaining about it. I talked, I told Jorge when he was down here to, to join the class action lawsuit. Um, doesn't cost you nothing. It just, you know, um, I mean, despite John Jones and his antics with all the other stuff going on, I still think he's correct, especially with this fighter pay. All these fighters are, are, are correct when they, when they ask for more money because I was in there myself and I, I, I talked from experience. And I've, um, I've seen how they work. I've seen how they do it. I've seen how they do the contracts. So, I mean, it's no surprise. It's no surprise to me at all, especially with the amount of money these guys are making. And they're not, um, <clears throat> and the main idea of, of the UFC fighter is, is that even though they only make 10% of, of the company, the UFC fighters are the only reason why people pay to watch the fight. They don't pay to fucking see that bald head prick they not doing anything. So, that's the problem, I. I think it needs to be fair. We need to bring the RDX in. And, um, I mean, all these fighters need to stand together. There's no way change is going to happen unless they all did something together. I've always said, without these fighters, there's no company. And, and it doesn't matter. The problem is all these these other fighters that, that, um, that come in and take these other guys' spot, they're selling themselves short. I mean, you know what's going to happen? I mean, this guy Burns takes his fight. And then if he wins the title, in a, in a couple of years or whatever, he's going to be crying, asking for more money. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just, 
it just makes me laugh because I, I can just, it's happened to me already. So. Yeah, you know, I had a very long conversation with uh, Kung Lee on Friday. And, of course, he's, he's a part of a class, class action lawsuit, uh, the uh, MMAFA, I believe it's called. He's a big advocate for the yeah. Ali Act. Obviously, that seems to be the answer for all these athletes uh, to get their fair shake and fair pay and have that revenue split in the way that it should be similar to boxing. Uh, but we know that the UFC is, has done everything they can to make sure that that does not go through. Uh, I'd imagine there's a lot of money thrown at lobbying. I don't have any details on that. But uh, when you see these guys... You know, finally dissenting, like I was saying, not only does it have to be encouraging, but the, like you said, they need to join the lawsuit. So, I mean, you know, what advice do you have to them to, to get involved? And, you know, it, I guess what the point of it all is, is that you guys really do have to group together and, and, and become one voice, right? Well, of course. I mean, look, look, despite my thoughts on, on guys that take uh, cheating and doing other assets, on, on, on that front, I don't agree. But on the front where... Um, where there's quite a pain with there's equality, of course. I mean, I've always fought for equality within the zero sector. That's why I didn't join these guys for a long time. I didn't realize what was going on with it. Um, but then I joined them because um, I realized because fighters' pay is, is, not, is not even equal anyway. And there's no way there's going to be change in this company if they're sharing 18% of their revenue. There's no, there's no one's going to give me pay cuts. If you deserve to be getting paid well, you should be getting paid well. I mean, why shouldn't these guys give Anthony Joshua money, Tyson Fury money? These guys are the best complete fighters in the world. So, I mean, when people say, um, well, he's the MMA fighter, he should be getting... Why, should, why, why the fuck shouldn't he be getting Canelo Everest money? Well, everyone's watching MMA. Everyone's watching the UFC fighters. It's mainstream now. Don't, don't give me those excuses like Dana does. It's a, it's a new company, uh, the Kevin Morris, all this garbage, this and that. Yeah, this guy just makes it up just so he can try and tell everyone bullshit and lies. The truth is, these fighters need to get together, despite the discrepancies and differences, get together, get a, get a fair share of the table, of, of the cake, and then just say, okay, now I need to just get to the top of the world and just fight for the whole, what, what is, is my, is there a piece of this fucking pie? Instead of squabbling over 18%. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think another big key component to the Ali Act is the ability for a champion to go test the market and get the biggest fights, you know, champion versus champion fights like we see in boxing. I mean, the, the potential for huge revenues there uh, are, you know, kind of, you know, the sky's the limit in that regard. So, uh, I mean, just being able to see interpromotional uh, cards or, or, or bouts, I think that would be really great for the sport and great for everybody involved, promoters included, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what do these fighters fight for? It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, fighting was a part of uh, getting freedom and getting out of some of those fighters from the worst class of the world come and become great fighters. But right now, they're just fighting to get... I mean, what's the point of being a, a part of the UFC or wanting to be a part of the UFC? There's, there's, no, there's no incentive there. There's no... Um, there's no... Um, what's the word for it? I always lost this word for it. How low I think of that belt. That's what I'm hearing that belt. There's no money in the belt, and uh, there's no lure, or whatever the word is. For it. When you when you fight for the world title belt, there's, there's uh, there comes with everything. There comes with the money. The um, well, I I get what you're saying. I mean, even when you get to be the champion. Sure, you get those pay-per-view points, but even then, I mean, your pay is significantly less than it should be. Uh, and, you know, I always well, think... Yeah, it, it, even the pay-per-view points, you've got to squabble over that. 
Right. They're probably squabbling for 50 cents or even a, a dollar to get a pet. Right, there's I no mean, money in, in that title. There's no, there's no point in being the UFC champion because there's no, there's no, there's no money in it. There's no, I don't know. Yeah, man. I mean, you yeah. think you think? I mean, I think Henry Cejudo was a big eye opener for everybody. A guy's a double champion and walks away from a sport to 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 pursue boxing because he is not making the kind of money that he deserves. I mean, I know a lot of people. A lot of fans, unfortunately, don't really understand Cejudo and and don't particularly like the guy. But in terms of an athlete, he's incredible, and you know he knows his worth. So again, I think uh, you know seeing all these dissenting voices, it's got to be encouraging. Um, but at the same time, man, like to see guys making ten and ten on the undercard. I mean, you look at an, an undercard from boxing. Uh, you know the headliners are making. Uh, 30, 40, 100 million, whatever the case is, depending on how big the fight is. But even the guys on the undercard, where the stadium's empty, they're still making a million, couple million dollars per fight. So, I mean, again, just to see 10 and 10 on the undercard, it, it, you're right, guys are like selling their souls to the UFC. Yeah, they're taking, and that's what shit for the guys that actually fight it. There's other idiots that come along and say, oh, I'll take it for much less. The problem is the fucking idiot is selling himself short. They think they're going to go up there and get the final chance and get more money. Stupid motherfucker. You've just ruined everyone's fucking shit, you know? That's the problem. They can come and undercut everyone else. And, I mean, I mean, all the fans who just want to support this fucking shit company, the fighters are just all supposed to get and say, you know what? We're tired of fighting for fucking pittance. And the owners of this company, the, the Royal Dubai family, the fucking, all these fucking celebs are just, they got plenty of money and they're just screwing everyone over. They're not even giving a fair go to these fighters. No, you're you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Um, and it, so I mean, when you see like a guy, you know, even Connor's retired three times. I know he said he retired again, but we know how that goes. It seems like he retires and then negotiates a better deal. I mean, you you guys really need those kinds of voices, right, to actually enact the kind of change that needs to be made. The bigger guys. The, making the bigger paydays, even though they're making bigger paydays, it's still not fair in comparison to the revenues being generated. So, I mean, the the movement really needs those bigger voices joining on board, right? I agree with you, man. I agree with you, and I think that. Uh, I shouldn't say crooks. I just, I just think I should just say because this is actually a business, and the problem is the fighters and that are the ones that are getting pumped in the moment. They're the ones that actually people pay to watch. The fighters should uh, band together and uh, and uh, make change because I mean the business, the UFC business is just doing what they're doing, and they're just making money. That's what it's supposed to be. And if they make their money at uh, these, these fighters' expense, well, then if the fighters aren't going to do anything about it, well, then fuck, there's not going to be no change. Definitely. I mean, I had to do something about it. I, I, had, to, I had to do these fuckers because they were just fucking screwing me over. And they were fucking forced. They were forced me to fight. They did all this shit and they just keep doing it. So I just got sick of it. I had to you know, I do something about it. I couldn't just... Now, how... By the... Fighting, <clears throat> right, but... 
by the way, the last time we spoke, I believe uh, we had your your legal counsel on with us. Uh, you know, obviously, I know you probably can't go into too much detail, but you know, how is that? How is that lawsuit going? Is it jammed up in the courts? Well, it got thrown out. It's not making. All those judges be paid off. It's fucking a rip off. I mean, uh, just, uh, what kind of fucking bullshit system is running on over in Las Vegas? I mean, you got the. Uh, I mean, I was speaking to Ken Shamrock, and the same thing he was saying is, is uh, you know. Uh, Thing happened with his court case. Uh, opening that shot case, and he just he went over there and they tried it. <laughs> Same thing happened to me. They, you know, they threw out all my cause of action. Two judges left the case. We had to appeal it and go to the highest, uh, to the ninth district um, judges. To be honest, and and even now, um, it's just it's just annoying how things like this doesn't. You know, you think your case is strong and everything, and he just. I know, man. I, I know the the legal system itself. It seems to always lean towards whoever's paying them the most money, and that and that's very, very unfortunate. Especially like you're saying, when you have a good case. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because how can anyone force you to fight when they fucking sticky your and goes, "Oh, we don't force you to fight." Yes, you do, motherfucker. You force me to fucking fight that sticky cheater. They try to force. They try to make me fight a lot of uh, cheaters, and I said no until you put a clause in. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just disheartening when you go there. And, and I, I just don't think there's what's the point of having even a, a legal system. are corrupt. There's got to be something done about this. <clears throat> I mean, there's no way you can win a, a lawsuit at all against them in Las Vegas because these guys are just are just criminals. Right. They're all you know. They're all the pockets are being lined. That's for sure. And unfortunately, that seems to be the case across this country and, and probably across the globe. Uh, but, you know, we, we talk about the lawsuit. There's got to be something done about it. Right. Honest, what can be done about this shit? It's fucking rubbish. I know. It's, it's, it's anyone that can go, can go and start doing lawless shit. What the fuck the point of having the law? You can't enforce it properly. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. I think, you know, I think that comes down to people voting in the right attorney generals and things like that, but that that's a whole nother discussion and a whole nother shit show in I, and of I, itself. I, I totally understand. I don't even think that's the way to go either. Fuck. <laughs> 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 I mean, even at the top, it is just it's so much corruption. I mean, I was just watching the news last night about this other corrupt fucking MP in Melbourne. I'm like, oh, fuck it. It's in every country. It's got to be something done about it, man. Yeah, I know it, and, and unfortunately, it's it's up to we the people, and most of us are pretty complacent in our lives, right? So that that it's very unfortunate. Uh, but you know, we, we talk about the lawsuit. Uh, I mentioned this with Kung Lee; he doesn't really seem to see that it's the case. Like, uh, you know, the UFC considering everybody independent contractors, and the call for maybe a union or a fighters association. Uh, Kung Kung said he he doesn't really like the union idea, but he thinks that a fighter association is more fitting. Where do you stand on that? Obviously, collective bargaining has to be a big piece of, of this kind of change that needs to be uh, made moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, uh, an association like what Kung is talking about, I think it's is the right way to go. I think uh, the other audience needs to come in. To be honest, um, I mean, Dana talked about uh, these guys the other day saying they're employees, but they're not employees. Right? They're subcontractors. Which is, uh, just, even though they, the UFC has the image and they have uniforms and all this shit, it's just, I just think it's uh, an association would be better. Anything to start with. You know, working towards uh, equality is, is the main thing, I'd say. 
um, next doctor and, and being a fighter's pay, to be honest, I'd like to see a, a, a clause going into the, uh, the fighter's contract about guys that use steroids, um, because, I mean, they take 30% or 20% when they don't make weight, so, you know, when the guy's cheating, to be honest, they should take all their money and ban them from us. There's a, a lot of things that could change, to be honest, in, 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 uh, in these guys' contracts, but, uh, as you know, the UFC contracts are pretty binding, and they and they change it every time that something happens. Like when someone puts a lawsuit or something towards them, they 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 lock it up so there's no one else to do it again. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's a it's a like you said, a very binding contract. <clears throat> but you mentioned uh, I know I know the the steroid thing has been a big problem for you. Uh, you've competed against a ton of guys who have popped, uh, you know, on on multiple occasions. Some of them. What uh do you see like the since Usada came in? I mean, do you see any encouragement in that realm in your own regard? Do you think that maybe some change is being yeah. made in that regard, or is it just kind of a just kind of a dog and pony show to save face? Well, Usada is part of the UFC. They cooks just as bad. I mean, you can see by all the all the history they have. All the results come out after the fight. Everything happened. Usada is just as bad as the UFC. They're working together. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I mean. Go ahead. There's no, you know, when, when someone gets painful for gear, they have to put them through the, the cycle of Usada. So they give them a fight, they, they, they take a couple of years of them. I mean, Usada is just as bad as you see the working gear. I mean, Jeff Davinsky just a third away anyway. The guy's coming on talking about, oh, that last instance with, that, with John Jones, they said, oh, they found a picket ram in him from the last time. They, uh, they, they caught him, and I'm thinking, fuck, well, he's still got something in it. Why are you letting him fight? He's still illegal, right? I know, and, and because and because USADA falls under the UFC itself, right? The UFC is USADA's boss, so I mean, at the end of the day, they can kind of pull the strings how they see fit. Like you said, I mean, drug tests coming out after the fight—that's shady. I mean, if a guy pops, the fight should be canceled. And the whole pictogram things with John Jones is John Jones is, you know, I, I know there's some science behind it with air quotes, but at the end of the day, that's that's shady business. Definitely, definitely. It should be like a, a sanctioning body to, to, to pull them up with their crooked ways. Right. It's almost like, uh, I mean, I don't know how this would work, but, you know, there's sanctioning bodies in every state, and, you know, maybe there should be some kind of national or global coalition that kind of takes care of all this, similar to the Olympics. I mean, do you think that's an avenue that, that should be pursued as well? Of course. I mean, there's no cheaters in fucking Olympics because they screw them. They take their money. Right. And, uh, and, and it all, and it shows by, by 
everything they've done for the last uh, 15 years. Yep, yep. It's a damn shame, man. Because people say to me, oh, they can sue you for slander and shit. I'm like, and I'm like well, you can't sue me if I'm telling the truth. Right. Yeah, I mean, everything I've, everything I've spoke up is everything that's done to me. So how can they sue me if I'm saying that everything I've got against them is the truth? Right, it's not it's not defamation if it's the truth. Absolutely. Well, of course. I mean, tricks. I've got proof of everything that does that to me, and it's the same thing. That's why we're in this fucking lawsuit. It's, it's just it's crap. So, so you're saying that's that's all caught up in in the higher courts now, and obviously, as we discussed, yeah. you know, pe- people being, uh, you know, in the pockets of of a lot of these judges. I mean, in regards to your legal counsel and yourself, are you having conversations with them? Is there any hope at this point, or is it, you know, sadly kind of become a lost cause? Well, you know, hopefully this, this case is, uh, is going to be ended in October. I hope we're going to go to trial. I want to see this go to trial. I want to see all the other hidden garbage these guys are doing and cheating. Um, I just want them all exposed, to be honest. And that's... Uh, and, and this started from just me wanting to, to make it an even fight. You never get an even fight when you're fighting against guys that are always juicing and cheating. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you can win sometimes, but, you know, I mean, they have all the advantages these days, and they have a company that backs them and, and promotes them um, cheating. Because it goes, there's a, you know, it goes against all their contracts, and... Um, I mean, even when you go to the the, the, the justice system with this, the, the, I mean, the, the fucking judge goes and throws fucking ten of my causes of action out, and, and the motherfucker says, oh, uh, well, who knows you if you would have won the fight or not anyway. I'm thinking, it's not about winning or losing, it's about a fair fucking fight, motherfucker. Right, right, right. It just, it, just, it just blows my mind how fucking uh, uh, someone of that, that's when someone such a, a powerful position can say, uh, how do you know you would have won the fight anyway? It's his cheating. Whether right. I won or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, it wasn't a fair fight. What does your contract say about this garbage lady? It's a joke. So, it's just annoying. It just uh, gets frustrating and annoying. So, you're saying, so So hopefully it'll go to trial in October? Well, well we have uh, an appeal. Um, and it'll be heard if it's going to be pushed through the appeal in October. And, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hopefully win the appeal and then get a trial with it. I mean, it'd be fucking hard for to try and sit on this right now. Fucking pissed me off the whole fucking time. Fucking ruined my end of my, my career. And it's actually taking the, what, what I love to do for a living is fighting. So it's uh, put me in a real bitter and sad note these days, to be honest. And, uh, I'm looking to looking forward to seeing if we win this appeal and and go uh, if we can get some because we didn't even get a chance to do discovery uh, different this is nothing so I mean that's how how we just got we just got fucking blindsided and uh, and lost didn't get a chance to do nothing. I'm sure I'm sure that discovery package would be real interesting to read through. Well, that's what I'm hoping to get to a point where we can do discovery again. Ask these questions, and these guys like Dana White can answer these questions about uh, these incidents that we've, we've spoken about before. And, and how can we get a, a, some actual justice in this fucking motherfucker? You know, I'm sick of us being ripped off here and ripped off in the system. It's just ridiculous. 
No wonder why people go, go the other way and do some crazy shit because they've had enough of this bullshit system that doesn't work. Right, right. And you know, man, so I think... Guys are sitting there more corrupt and more corrupt, and that's why fuckers go crazy. Go, okay, you don't want to fix it this way, we'll fix it another way. I know, man, and I think I think what's missing from a lot of these guys is, you know, you can try to make the change now, and that's great. But the but the bigger picture here is to change how things are for the future. So the 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 unfortunate circumstances that a lot of guys go through now that won't be the case for the next generation coming up. It's trying to pave the road for the future, and I think that's that's probably part of of what's missing here. A lot of guys have their own self interest in mind, which is very important. But it's also to change the game for the future so that if your kids, for any reason, wanted to get into combat sports, you know that they'd be fairly taken care of in the world of MMA. Well, that's the idea. That's the reason, one of the reasons why I jumped on board for everything because I, I, I need to change the situation that I was in and so no one else comes in forward and calls. I mean, as a fighter, I came from this side of the world. There wasn't many people doing it. And I've fallen into a lot of holes along the way. You know, but, um, you know, me getting out and catching these holes up and moving on is a good thing. These other guys that are leading the way, for example, need to stand up and do something about it. Otherwise, these other boys and girls are coming through, you know, will not understand and see the situation and, and end up in the same position. Right, right. You and don't want to, you don't, you don't want to pave a road. Right. You, you don't want to pave a road and leave a bunch of potholes, man. You want a nice, smooth road for the next generation. And and I think everybody well, that's the idea. right, and everybody should be able to get behind that. Well, yeah, these guys that take these fights on, on the, you know, for, for less pay for this and that, thinking that they're going to get these these uh, uh, advantages, they get the advantages then, but they're going to end up at the same crossroad as the other fighter is, and saying, okay, I need more money, so I'm actually, you know, and, and they're going to realize all the guys are actually. Right, and I think. Yep. So again, it goes back to it needing to be a collective thing. But you know what you're talking about? It reminds me of the Masvidal situation, sure. right? He said publicly yeah. that they're offering him less money than his last fight, and he's like, "How is that possible? My brand has only become bigger. How could I possibly be making less than my last fight?" Well, it's easy. They just put the excuse in all because the COVID, because of all this other bullshit. That's just another lying excuse for these guys. Um, and I think um, everyone needs to, to, needs to stand up now and do it. Like, they need to go to the MMAF site. I mean, uh, join the Instagram. You can get all the information from them, okay, just to be a part of it, to make change, to get, get a better pay for yourselves. Not only that, for the future uh, fighters. I mean, the way I see it, and it's sad to say, but what, what I used to think about before, I'm thinking, what's the... Why would anyone want to be a UFC fighter? Why, why, why is this person going to be a part of it? Because you fight to the top of the world, and you, then you get to the top of the world, and you start arguing for fucking money. <laughs> right. I mean, right, go out there, put your, life in, put your life and your health on the line for the entertainment of fans, and then not be compensated accordingly. Exactly. I mean, if, if fighting is what you want to do, and if you're good enough, and if you can, because, uh, I mean, wouldn't you rather go do boxing or something? Because there's no way you're going to make, Ends me if you become a UFC fighter. 
didn't mind that aura of, of this being a, a lead fighter of the UFC and making shit like the money is fucking bullshit. And I've said it when I was looking for them, and you can see it by all the evidence of, of the, the champs saying all these things. All these champions saying, oh, I need more money anymore. Who well, fucking I see this. Yeah. That's just what makes you laugh. Why would anyone want to be a part of UFC that how, how you should before being part of the elite and getting paid shitloads of money? And you're wrong. You're not getting paid shitloads of money at all. Right. So what's the point? And then and then to hear to hear what what's really sickening is to hear the the company brass like Dana and whatnot try to defend you know that that eighty twenty uh, uh, revenue share between fighters in the company. I mean that's it, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Well, if you think about it, to be honest, think about it. The company is giving money. I think the Saudi families still own ten percent of it, and all these uh, WWE. When I was with them, they, uh, they had the, the Peters and all that who owned this company, and that's the uh, and, and that's the uh, they were making the lion's share of everything. But these these people are already got plenty of money. Um, that are yeah. But these people already got plenty of money, and that's what they're doing. They're just fucking everyone over. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, getting a fair shake. Well, you know, I I certainly hope that you know maybe maybe in October with your your lawsuit you can really kind of lift the veil and show these guys exactly you know what they're what they're fighting against and what they're fighting for and uh, you know I certainly hope that everybody can really come together and uh, you know again. That's what I hope. I have all these fighters, um, the bigger fighters like John Jones and all these other guys. We need more guys to stand up and say, well, we're not going to do it. Because we want a fair shake. I mean, um, instead of making a million dollars or pressing for a million dollars two or whatever the fuck it is, they should be pressing for 10, 15, 20 what they should be getting. And that's, that's uh, the bottom line. I mean, I said, you know, why can't you make uh, Canelo average money? You're a, you're a top prize fighter and the whole world wants you to. So why shouldn't you make that? You know, when, when you see these guys finally, again, you know, it's got to be somewhat encouraging, but we're not, not anywhere near there yet. But when you see these guys finally coming out, saying these kind of things, what would you say to anybody else that's maybe thinking about, uh, you know, how unfairly they're being treated? What kind of encouragement could you give other athletes to join the cause? And, and you know, and what kind of suggestions would you make for them to, to, to jump in the pool and, you know, start to make some waves? Well, you, you see, um, clearly it's, it's not going to work. But together, as a, as, a, as, a, as a group, you can. I mean, you hear Dana say it all the time. You say, uh, the fighters can do whatever you want. Because you're subconscious. Yeah, you can. Go and go join this uh, association. Get the information you need. And then go from there. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, Dana doesn't give a shit about you fighters. I mean, you just make the money so they can make their boats bigger and whatever the other rubbish they're talking about. It's not like they're going to take their fucking money to the fucking grave with them. <laughs> right. So if you want to, you want a fair shake with, with, uh, with what you're earning, um, either go and, and uh, do boxing or something else or, you know, or actually just look at the guys that are coming in front of you, like all these other UFC fighters and see what they've gone through. And they're not, uh, and, you know, uh, Jones and Masvidal and the Cicuto are guys that, are, that have actually won the title. Um, you know? I mean, I didn't win the title, but I was always arguing with these motherfuckers for better pay, better this and that, even though I was getting 
even though I was getting a, um, a large sum of, sum of money compared to a lot of the champions. And the reason I was getting a lot more than some of the champions because I, cause I kept saying I needed more money. <laughs> right, the squeaky wheel no gets the grease. I mean, yeah, there's no way I should fucking fight for fucking fitness when I should be making fucking shitloads of money to, to fight at the top end. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be quiet like uh, a lot of these other motherfuckers just because I want a job. Fuck the job. Fuck these guys. They're screwing you. I'd rather, you know what they're saying is I'd rather die on my feet than live on my fucking knees. That's yeah. these motherfuckers. These motherfuckers are living on their fucking knees. Yeah, that's a, that's a great... They them, they, yeah, and they call themselves fucking fighters. Call yourself fighters, but you're fucking on your knees sucking their bald-headed frickin' out of yeah, well, hey man, you know, it's a, it's a vulgar analogy, but it's true. And, you know, you make the point there. These are combat sports athletes. These are some of the baddest individuals on the planet. There's no reason that they can't change the direction and motivation of their fight to fight for a just cause for all of them to live better lives and for the future to live better I mean, lives they, in combat sports. They get up every day and they fuck their asses to fight for fucking freedom, and yet they're fucking getting saved by this fuck with getting fucking taking their shit. How about stand the fuck up and do something about it? Definitely. Instead of fucking sitting there, oh, being quiet. Say something. Do something about it, man. Fuck the dog. Fuck these guys. Things will change if you... Things aren't going to change if you don't do nothing about it. Things will change if you stand up. No, yep, I, I agree with you 100%, man. And I know uh, on this show, it's I've talked about it countless times. Fighter pay's always been an issue that's uh, very important to us here at BJPenn.com. That's why we call ourselves the Fighter's Voice. And... Um, you know, I, I sincerely hope that uh, there can be some kind of unification between all these athletes to jump on board with you and Kung Lee and the countless other. I think it's 1,200 fighters are involved with the MMAFA. So, uh, you know, that's a lot of voices, but we need the bigger ones to uh, to really enact some change here, get that Ali Act passed, and uh, have a brighter sh- future for everyone. Uh, but listen, Mark, I, I greatly appreciate the time today, man. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I, I hope we can catch up again soon. Uh, but just to wrap this up, uh, do you have any idea on uh, you know when you would be returning to competition? Uh, October. I think uh, my, my boxing fight will be in October. I guess it's sort of next moves on. Um, I'm actually, it's been nearly two years uh, that I've been out of, uh, like I said, I was upset a lot, and I'm still upset with this company for taking away my passion for fighting, but... Uh, like all these other fighters, there's no fucking way I'm going to sit down and take it on my fucking knees. I'll stand up and fight these motherfuckers all the way to the end. So I'm going to get my career back on the road and finish it up in October and hopefully uh, finish it next year um, with two or three more fights and go from there. Okay. And again, man, anything you want to say in conclusion, uh, you know, to, to, to all these athletes that, that might be on the, on the ledge in regards to, you know, trying to uh, enact the kind of change we've been talking about, uh, talking about during this conversation, anything you want to plug, sponsor plugs, anything, the floor is yours to wrap it up, man. Yeah, man. So anyway, guys, I, I think it's like you guys need to get together as fighters, as a collective, and do this for yourselves, not only for yourselves, for your families. And um, I mean, I've, I've asked many people to join help change, like change. But the thing is, as it, a it, singular, it's not going to work. Together, it's going to work. And, uh, and nothing's going to happen. I mean, we can, we're trying to make any changes, especially with this with this class action going on. But um, as I already explained, it, the, the law system sometimes, well, a lot of the times it gets fucking ripped off by a lot of these cooks and money. So 
the happy change comes in with uh, with all these things coming through. So you know, I mean, I can only do what I can do, like the rest of these fighters. And uh, it takes it. Yes, it's taking upon yourself to do to make change. Well, it's and, a. It's uh, a, it's it's a, a I mean, if you call yourself fighters, then end up staying on your knees, man, and fighting. Get up, stand up, fight, man. Stand up with it all. Well, it's it's a courageous thing that you're going after, and I think it's a righteous cause as well. So again, man, I cer- I certainly hope that we can see something take some action in the near future uh, for the betterment of all of you athletes that put your lives on the line and your health's on the line for the sake of our entertainment. Uh, so again, Mark, I greatly appreciate the time. Thank you so much, man. I hope we can catch up again soon, and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. And I look forward to your return to competition, man. All right, thanks for having the show. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Good to talk to you. Have a good one. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with the Super Samoan. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And again, with fighter pay being at the forefront of the conversation right now with so many of the top athletes in the UFC, Mark, much like Kung Lee, has been trying to spearhead this movement for quite some time now. He's been a very outspoken advocate for fighter pay and better treatment from the UFC towards its athletes. As I've said many times, get out there and support these guys, whether it be on social media or whatever you can do. Obviously, we're not lawyers, we're not judges, and it's very sad to hear that judges are throwing out his court case when he has a legitimate case indeed, but let's hope when things come back around with his appeal in October that they make some headway and we get to start that change that is so important for these athletes. But let's waste no time. We'll keep it rolling like we always do. BJPenn.com, Radio the Fighter's Voice. Closing out this episode, UFC lightweight, Jim Miller. Hello. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Not too bad, bud, not too bad. How's things on this uh, beautiful Sunday in the Northeast? Ah, oh, can't complain. Very good. Yeah. You get, doing any grilling today? today? What's that? Doing any grilling today? Oh, uh, yeah, nothing fancy, though. Just some chicken salad and stuff like that. Oh, it's you are the you are the the man of the trigger. They should be sponsoring you, man. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I, I you know we haven't talked in a while. How have you been holding up during this COVID thing? Uh, you know we've been getting by. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, right? You know, like uh, I mean, the timing for us was uh, a little bit batty. Uh, we got kind of lucky uh, in some aspects of it. In other aspects of it, it was kind of crazy. We ended up. Uh, Find a new house in December. Uh, closing on the sale of our old place January 31st. So, like, all of January, I was moving shit. Um, and then I had to speak mid-February. And then it was like, got back to the fight, and I just started working working on the house. You know, the, the house is a 1875, I think the original part was built. Um, so it's, uh, it's an old farmhouse. <laughs> So it needed some work, needed some updating and stuff like that. So uh, I got in and, and like, you know, uh, next thing you know, like we were staying at my parents uh, and my mom comes to the diagnosis clinic. Um, so you know, she started having to deal with uh, positive patients and stuff and, you know, dealing with being in, in full PPE all day. Um, so we decided it was, you know, it was time to get out so that she didn't have to come home to four grandkids in her house every day and that. So, um, we hopped into the house, even though it wasn't quite ready for us. So we've been in a, uh, a construction zone 
Right, uh, right. You know, but but at the same time, it's like you know we the old house. We bought the old house in 2009 before we. My wife was pregnant with our first when we bought it, and it, I mean, uh, once we had once we had our third kid, it was tight. And then you had then you threw Sawyer on the on, on there, and it was it was super tight for us. So I can't imagine being locked up at home. You know, the kids not going to school at our old house. It would have been uh, it would have been really difficult. Um, you know, particularly with, with the way they are and how you know how. Uh, how much they like playing around outside, and you know, my kids are just—they're—they're they're active kids, and and uh, you know, now we've got we've got space for them to to go out and get muddy and get dirty and, <laughs> and get that energy out. So all the type of uh, stuff that kids should be doing, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been crazy because it's been like I mean, we just we just moved dressers in like two weeks ago. Wow. So like we've been, you know, we've basically been camping the house mattresses on the floor for the last like months. You know, it's been pretty crazy. But well, I'm sure I'm sure this isn't the case. But when you're saying you know you're moving into an old place like that, renovating it, I'm sure this is not the case. But I'm like imagining that movie, The Money Pit. It kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's falling through the floors though, right? Some, you, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I walk through the, the the dining room and it's like one of these days my foot's gonna go through it. Yeah. So, <laughs> of course but uh, but a house that old man i'm sure it's got a lot of charm and uh you know not to mention uh you know being that it is a farmhouse that's right up your alley for for what you're into so must be a perfect fit for the miller clan yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool i'm, I'm pretty excited uh you know that we were able to to get in and and you know uh of course it's never easy and stuff like that so right right uh, well, I mean, obviously, new house—that's great, great news. Uh, you know, for for you and the family. But in terms of COVID, in regards to the training facility, and you know, you, the gym with your brother, how, how has that all been going? Um, you know, that's that's a pain in the butt. Um, you know, not being not being able to be open um, has been a pain in the ass. And, and you know, I definitely uh, like I started I started training in like April or so. Um, you know, I, I I had a knee injury in that last fight and was kind of dealing with that. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of slowly got back into it. And um, you know, it kind of felt like it was <laughs> you know you're like breaking the law and and, and training. Um, but uh, now now legally I'm allowed to. Um, you know, from one of the recent executive orders here in New Jersey. But uh, it's been different. It's been different. It's been um, in, in some aspects of it, you know, it's like it's a little bit of a throwback, like because every session that I've been in has been about me, uh, which is is cool, you know. Like um, when I first started training, I would train with a lot of guys that had fought a few times, but still wanted to train and still wanted to spar and you know do all that stuff. And um, it, you know, they were a great group of guys, uh, but they they weren't actively fighting anymore. Um, right, right. So like. You know, my brother and I got a lot of the attention, um, and that definitely helped 
team grew and stuff like that, it's, uh, everybody was training for a fight and all that stuff. So it's like, you, it was never like, it was never your practice. It was never, it, and sometimes it was even hard to be like year round, right? Like if I was on, you know, Dan or Charlie Brenneman or, uh, you know, one of these other guys, like it, it was, they were training for fights too. So they were working on themselves as we were going together and, you know, um, if, if you're going with somebody that might not be training for a fight, then you'd be repl- replicating an opponent and stuff like that. But uh, it, it wasn't always like that, you know. So, so now it's been, um, you know, a pretty small group. It's only been a handful of us. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's been pretty cool to kind of focus on me and um, kind of switch around the schedule, too, to, to make it easier for guys. But uh, it's, uh, I'm feeling good, you know. Like, it, like I said, it does suck with the gym being closed. Um, that's definitely not cool. Uh, but uh, right. So while 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 you're having to jump those kind of hurdles, at the same time, you are getting like a specialized camp out of this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's that that aspect. Even though, like, you know, now, I mean, my team, my team at Miller Brothers is, you know, it's small and young, um, and it's a great group of guys. But at the same time, they're, again, like, they're a lot of times, they, you know, my guys are training for fights, so. Um, I get I get work with them and you know and we go and stuff like that and they they do help me a bit more but um, yeah it's been really like focused on just what I need to do to to fight my fights and and to, to be the best me uh, when I step into the octagon. Well, that's awesome to hear, man. Now you mentioned that there was a, a knee injury in the Scott Holtzman fight. How did that happen? And uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. A little bit about that and, and what the recovery's been like. Um, you know, when I. Uh, I need to do a little more stretching for my rubber guard. <laughs> in the, in the second round, I, I, uh, I was trying to trying to uh, get the mission control and and uh, you know keep him down. Um, I had my left leg up up high and I hadn't cleared uh, cleared the neck yet. And uh, he kind of jerked up as I pulled down. And I I just I popped a ligament in the in the back of my left knee and um, it it bothered me for a little bit. You know, it was one of those things that like I. I was just able to kind of ease into training and, and kind of just uh, work it out, you know, and, and, and not necessarily just do anything crazy right away. But um, it kind of stuck around for a little bit longer than I thought it would. Right. Well, uh, it sounds like you're back, you know, back to uh, as close as you can be to uh, 100%. I know that the last time we talked, you were you were discussing overcoming the Lyme disease issue and how you really feel like it's Jim Miller 2.0 since getting past all of that. I mean, obviously you're saying that you had a specialized camp and a lot of focus on you for this fight, but, you know, are you still feeling that way, that, that, that it is Jim Miller 2.0 and that, you know, the best years are ahead? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like, it, it's, uh, it, it was a difficult, you know, it was a difficult battle and, and you know, getting over it and, and kind of getting my, getting my body back, getting my athleticism back and, and, you know, the ability to push myself like I always had. Um, but, yeah, I just feel, feeling really good for, uh, like, the last, like, two, two years now, a little over two years uh, is when I kind of felt like I, I got a handle on it in the beginning of 2018 there. And, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is, honestly, it's been the mental aspect of it. It's like, you know, like I've, I've, I've been through the this, this thing that kicked my ass and, and I mean, I probably shouldn't have been fighting. I probably should have, you know, taken the time off and, and just attacked that. But I was still fighting 
So confidence is at an all-time high going into this fight, much like it has been uh, for the fights getting past the uh, the uh, Lyme disease. Uh, give us your thoughts on Roosevelt Roberts as an opponent, and and you know what he thinks, what what you think you what you think he brings to the table. You know, he's a young, dangerous dude that's coming off of uh, an impressive win, and, and he's got a head of steam. You know, and momentum and timing are huge in this sport. Um, you know, it, it it does matter. It really does. Um, you know, time is that thing that's going to kick everybody's ass, and and uh, it kind of gets uh, multiplied. In a, in a sport like this where, you know, you're fighting. <laughs> you're literally, you know, using your body as a weapon and the other guy's doing that too. Right, um, Father Time is so, undefeated. Exactly, exactly. You know, uh, yeah, so it's, it's uh, he's, he's a tough dude, like I said. And, and coming off of a good win, um, you know, he's, he's going to be right that. And uh, that makes him a really dangerous guy. Um, you know, like, he's well-rounded. He's got a... He's got a good guillotine. He's got good boxing. Um, you know, I have to be mindful of his game on his feet and his game on the mat. Um, but at the same time, his boxing and his striking isn't as good as some of the guys that I fought, and his grappling is not as good as some of the guys that I fought. So, um, you know, I have the confidence that you get from having shared the octagon with just about everybody, you know, at this weight class. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a good fight for me, um, and uh, you know, I'm excited, I'm excited to put on a show and, and uh, you know, square up with the center of the octagon and score another bonus. That's right. <laughs> for the house. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned uh, the, the momentum and the importance of the timing with momentum. Obviously, a guy like this, like you're saying, coming off of some good wins. Uh, with that momentum behind him, this is a big opportunity for you to steal that momentum and put it on your own career, right? Um, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't. I don't necessarily think it works that way. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, or true. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those things. You know, like, like he's got he's got that that momentum, and, and I am trying to steal it. I'm trying to take it uh, and, and get mine going back again, and uh, get a little head of steam behind myself, and uh, and perform. You know. Um, I don't feel like I performed very well in the last fight for whatever reason, and, and uh, you know that it's frustrating. It's always frustrating, and um, you know I, I had two good wins behind that, uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, was was looking to to get that win in that last one, but uh, you know now I get the opportunity to try to come back again and and uh, get another set of momentum for myself. Well, t- tell us, so the knee injury, when did that happen in the uh, Holtzman fight? Uh, in the second round. Okay, so, I mean, clearly that takes away from your performance for the rest of the fight, right? I mean, that's a big setback. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things. Like, it, you get banged up in the fight all the time. Uh, it, it definitely affected my movement a little bit in the third, uh, but, uh, you know, he had, he had my number that night, so it's just the way it goes. True, true. Now, uh, as, as a guy that's, Competing under these uh, unprecedented times, if you will, with you know competing in the in the COVID era, any concerns or complaints of having to go in there and, and, and do your job during this thing, or are you grateful to get back to work? Um, no complaints at all. You know, I'm I'm super grateful that the that the UFC is back up and running, and you know I got the opportunity, and and uh, it is it's definitely an odd time, <laughs> you yeah. know, and and. Uh, 
to say the least. Know, like, to say the least. Yeah, you know. So to so to be able to get back a little bit of normalcy for myself is uh, is going to be good. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to you know. I know it's going to be a little different fight week. I know things are going to be you know uh, the the standards and practices during fight week are going to be different, and and it's not going to be the same as it ever was in the you know thirty four or whatever. 33 prior, uh, but uh, it's still, you know, it's still going to be fight week, and I'm still going to get to fight uh, next Saturday, so uh, I'm excited, excited for that, that next one. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I had read that this is a catch weight. Why is that? Um, he decided that he couldn't make 55. Uh, you know, I, I told Sean, um, I'm on the phone, buddy. Now, were you? Are you? If you mentioned to Sean you were looking for a fight at one fifty five, one seventy, are you teasing the idea of fighting at welterweight or? Interesting. So it sounds like uh, for you, you're realizing that that sweet spot may be a little bit heavier. But as you mentioned, uh, so many guys have had a ton of success moving up 
fighting closer to a natural weight for them, whether it be the uh, diminishing returns of the weight cut or, like you said, just having a little bit of a lower uh, uh, center of gravity and maintaining that speed while gaining the power. Uh, is 170 something that you think is definitely in your future, or are you just going to kind of play it as it comes and take whatever fights are most interesting? Um, I'm, I'm looking to take whatever fights are most interesting. You know, like, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, 55 is not, it's not too bad, right? Like, I don't, I don't walk too heavy anymore. I, I walk in, like, the mid-70s. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely take fights as, at 70, and, and uh, hell, man, if I got the opportunity to fight at 85, I'd try to pack some pizza. <laughs> like, I said, like I said, that sweet, I always felt like that, you know, I'd, I'd have to put, I'd have to get my body back to where it was, and, and uh, I don't I don't know how long it would take me to do that, but, uh, yeah, my, like, I, when I was, when I hit that weight, I always felt that it was a completely different game going against the 70s and 85 pounders, you know, in the gym. My goodness, that'd, that'd be a sight to see you walking in at 185, man. <laughs> at 5'8". <at five>, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be tremendous. But regardless, man, I mean, success is success no matter the weight class. So, you know, if it's something that you think works out for you, you should definitely pursue it. Uh, and, you know, I know we talked before uh, the last time we spoke and after all of this uh, Lyme disease stuff that, that you do still feel like you have a title run in you. And I'd imagine you feel like that still is the case. No, I know I know what I'm capable of. Um, you know that's uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the lime or if it's just the age, right? You know, like uh, like Indiana Jones said, right? It's not it's not the it's not the years, it's the mileage. Um, right. You know, maybe it's just the mileage, maybe it is the combination of both. But uh, it's you know there there are a few more downs than there used to be. Like it's still riding that up and down, but. Uh, like when I'm on, I'm better than I ever was, um, and it's just a matter of being on on fight nights. Um, you know, like I said, the, the 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 off days are a little bit more often. Um, but uh, like I said, who knows why why that is? It, it could be uh, a combination of a few things. But uh, yeah, like I know when I'm on, I could I could beat anybody. Right. Now, I mean, if you're looking at the potential of moving up and down, I mean, does that does that give you a little bit more options in terms of uh, making that title run come to fruition? I mean, you take an interesting fight, maybe late, late replacement at 170, become ranked at 170, then all of a sudden you could have a, t a potential run there, or you're strictly focused on 155 uh, for, for gaining some gold. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I haven't really planned it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's get the it's get the momentum and uh, and stay feeling good and you know and get things get things a little calmer than they were you know leading up to that last one and uh, you know and and do my job when it's time to step inside the octagon and, and we'll, we'll take it from there. All right, absolutely, man. Uh, well, I mean, just a couple more questions before we let you go here. Gen generous with your time as always. Sure. Give us your thoughts on the uh, the landscape at 155. We've had a lot of shakeups. Uh, that, that Ferguson Gaethje fight caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, we've got Khabib on the sidelines for a while. What do you think of the landscape and potential contenders and where you fit into that mix? Um, you know, uh, the losing, uh, losing the fight against Ferguson and, and Khabib was, was heartbreaking to me. <laughs> you know, it was like, that was, uh, that was a fight that I wanted to see for a long time. 
Definitely. It hurts as Definitely. a fan. It hurts as a fan, and it hurts as a as a, as a fellow fighter, and, and and knowing what it's like, right? Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see Justin and and Khabib fight. Um, you know, that's that's an awesome fight. I'm excited for Poirier uh, and and Hooker fighting. That's another great fight. Um, you know, and and where do I stack up? I mean, like, I know that I could. I know that I could beat these guys. I, I know where I was when I fought some of these guys, and and you know, uh, yeah, like I I know what I know what I'm capable of uh, at my best, um, and it's, that's the thing. It's my job to show up at my best. Yeah, I know we talked so, about this before. You had said some something to the effect of, you know, if you could run back those fights that you had when you were dealing with the Lyme disease and unaware of it, you think that there'd be different outcomes. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not that type, right? Like, I'm, I'm not the type to, to, you know, to worry about that. I'm not the type to, uh, fantasize about it either, you know? Um, I know, you know, I, I see what, what Dustin has done and, and how talented he is and, and the fight that he's had and how close our fight was. Um, and I know where I was at. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> I know where. I know where. It's either the dogs or the kids. Hey, uh, that's. I, uh, I understand, man. That's that. That's your family, man. I get it. No worries. <laughs> uh, you know, I know where I was uh, leading up to that fight, and and that was that was a tough one. That was a tough few weeks leading up to that fight. Um, yeah, like it. It's one of those things that you know I. I don't wish for it back. I, 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 I don't do that. Um, but uh, I'd be willing to do it again. You know, like, <laughs> I'd like to get them again. You know, I'd right, like well, like, like you were saying, not so much fantasizing about running the back, but at least maybe being able to find out what the real result would have been had you not been dealing with your ailment. Um, you know, but I can't. Right, you know, like, and this is this is it, it, my path is my path, and it's you know uh, the things that have happened, and and you know every one of us has to deal with bullshit, whether they're fighters or not. Of course, and you know it's it's just been what I've had to deal with, and, and it's made me who I am today. Um, Absolutely, so man. I'm I'm, a, I'm, a f- I'm okay with it. You know, like I'm o- right. I'm okay with the things in my past that weren't perfect, that weren't that. That might have been stacked against me because I, I try to learn from them all and, and, and keep moving forward. And, um, and I know that, you know, the positive things that I have today and the positive things that I'll have tomorrow, some of that is based off of the negative things that I've had to deal with. So, Of course, uh, of course. I'm a firm believer you know, in that, man. Your downs, yeah. your downs create the resolve that you bring forth to, you know, the next part of your life. So I, I agree yeah. with you 100% there, man. Uh, so, I mean, give, give us your thoughts on this fight. How does it play out with Roberts? Uh, you know, what, what do you see when your arm gets raised? And, uh, you know, what would be next for you potentially after you can uh, get the big win? Um, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think it's a good fight for me. Uh, I know we're fighting a small shot. Um, I'm going to put the pressure on him. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be able to dominate the grappling once, once it begins. Um, like I said, obviously, I, have to, I, I do have to watch out for his guillotine, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
How many fights do you think you can get in this year? You got one in February, one in June, maybe two more, or? Yeah, I think I get two more. You know, um, that's just, that's the thing too. It's like you know this this whole fight island thing. It's like I'm not gonna have fought on 100, 200, you know, and all these other big cards and not fight on fight island. <laughs> 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 you know, like that's uh, that's not that's not happening, right? So um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't. Don't have much else to do right now, so uh, <laughs> you know, right. we're gonna out. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I've always been a fan of being being active, and like I feel like I'd have you know another at least three or four fights in the UFC if, if I got to fight as often as I wanted to. Um, you know, so uh, a lot of a lot of my my peers have been able to get in a couple fights. Guys, you know, and girls are, are fighting. Uh, you know, back to back pretty quickly, um, and I'd like to take advantage of that as well and, and, and rack up a few more. Right, no reason you can't do that. You mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned Fight Island there. Re- really interesting concept to say the least. Mm-hmm. I know I've talked to a couple di- guys, and you know we've likened it to the Kumite from Bloodsport or something. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it sounds like you're all you're, you're totally down for that, and not only. Uh, would you like to go compete there? But that adds to your legacy of all the incredible events you've been a part of over the years. Exactly, exactly. You know, like uh, I, I don't really turn down fights. So uh, you know, if I get the opportunity to go, I'm going to go. And, and uh, you know, I was hoping to be someplace a little bit closer than Abu Dhabi, but it makes sense that it is over there, right? You know, the partial owners and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. It, it's definitely something that I'd, I'd like to do. It's a, it's a, you know, feather in the cap I'd like to have. Well, I, I would agree, and I, and I certainly hope that comes to fruition for you, man. So we're looking forward to the fight this weekend. Hopefully get a big win and keep that ball rolling for the remainder of 2020. And who knows, maybe by this time in 2021, we're talking about Jim Miller in a title fight. There we go. Sounds good to me. Awesome, man. All right, well, again, Jim, we greatly appreciate the time. Very much looking forward to the fight on Saturday and all your continued success. I hope we can catch up again after the fight. Uh, before we let you go, though, the floor is yours, man. Shout out, sponsor plugs, anything you want to say. It's yours, my friend. Um, you know, uh, I just want to thank, uh, you know, my team. Uh, this has been a really odd time, um, you know, and, and, and my teammates and my coach, uh, coach Brian McLaughlin and my Muay Thai coach Amr Ibrahim have been, you know, uh, amazing and, and helped me out through this. And, and uh, we're going to, we're going to get to W uh, next week. And, and uh, yeah, I just really appreciate the guys doing their things for me, you know, in this, in this really odd time. <laughs> Definitely. Unprecedented times for sure, but all the more reason to go out there and perform to the best of your abilities, man. Again, looking forward to the fight. And uh, I hope you have a great day and keep kicking ass, cleaning up that house, getting it to where it needs to be and keep grilling every day, my man. Will do. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with Jim Miller. Always a pleasure to speak with him. Great guy. Humble guy. One hell of a competitor. And with his exciting fighting style, he holds a whole lot of UFC bonuses. So make sure you tune in for his fight this Saturday. Show your support. And how crazy would it be to see Jim Miller at 185? 
I don't necessarily think that that's a possibility going forward, but I do think that 170 could be in his future. And considering the success we've seen with a lot of guys moving up in weight, I think that would be the case also for Jim. So that's it for us, folks. Big thanks to Mark and Jim for joining us for this episode, and big thanks to you, Penn Nation, for tuning in. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share this podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. And as you guys already know, BJPenn.com is the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. We are your premier source for all things mixed martial arts. Everything you crave from the sports you love, BJPenn.com. We have got you covered, guys. So on behalf of the whole team, everybody at BJPenn.com, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. Stay up to date with all the latest and greatest from mixed martial arts. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Until then, stay safe. We'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.